This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 143. We are finally back after our usual close to month break. You know, when the team's not playing, we're not doing a podcast, so uh, it's a little quieter on here for a few weeks, but it gets us all a chance to breathe for a little bit. But uh, of course, back with me, Hammy. You were off the last couple of weeks we did the show. Hammy, nice to have you back. Thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, had some work conflicts and stuff, but, you know, got to focus on the day job kind of stuff before the podcast gets some love. So good to be back, though. Yeah, well, it's nice to have you back. And, of course, Viggs, I see you all the time. So, <laughs> Yeah, no biggie. <laughs> well, um, Viggs, you know, going into this previous weekend, things were looking good, you know. They went to Michigan uh, at the end of the you know early part of the season. Had a tie, had a win. You know, took four out of six points. Things were looking up. You know, they they start off with Ferris and then they win a game and then all of you know we're just getting built up again, thinking maybe they're just starting to get it. And then Saturday happens. How does that happen? We're just getting right into it, aren't we? <laughs> well, I just. You know, I we'll talk about Michigan a little bit, but uh, I'm just kind of getting the overall feel here. You know, we, we kind of we were slowly building towards the end of, you know, the, the first part of the season. You know, it's you know three ties in a row. You know, that's considering where they've been, they were they were they were playing pretty well, and they played pretty well against Michigan. You know, they they lost extra point that Friday night, won the game the next night, you know, won the first game at Ferris, and then lost the second game to one of the worst teams in the country. Um, I'm just trying to get a, a grasp on this team. Yeah, well, I think part of it is, you know, they'd gone through a stretch where they went basically four, one, and three. So they'd only won, lost one game in that eight-game stretch. And I think they were feeling pretty good about their game. And playing against Ferris State, especially on Saturday, they were in pretty good control of that hockey game, especially five-on-five. Five. You know, they weren't scoring, but they were generating the chances I asked after the game, Bob Motzkow, whether it was the goalie who was playing out of his mind or if it was the gopher shooters not taking advantage of their chances. I know a lot of those shots went right into his chest. Um, There weren't many rebounds given up all weekend, and he wasn't ready to answer at the time. And he said, i got to look at the film. Well, I asked again today, and he pretty much dodged the question. No. It was just Minnesota not <laughs> bearing down on their chances, is my opinion. You know, there's that tendency where, you know, shooters want to either pick a spot or they end up just kind of shooting to shoot. And that's kind of what happened, I think, on Saturday. You know, they knew that they were in a game where there wasn't going to be a ton of space, and they kind of took it for granted that they were going to be able to walk away with a win. And. Solomon Kangas played pretty well for Ferris State, and Minnesota took some stick penalties again, and it bit them. 
you know, the penalty kill was something that had been a strength of this team. They were in the top 10 in the country for penalty kill percentage. Well, they took five stick penalties on the weekend, and Ferris State scored on three of those. And, and Hammy, you know, I know, you know it's tough to look back at Michigan. They, they played pretty well. But it's kind of the same point to you, you know. Did you kind of have a feeling that they were sort of building here and then maybe could use this time off to really gel together, and then Saturday happens? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's one of those deals where um, you you have a long break. You don't always know what you're going to get in that first series when the guys get back together. You don't know if uh, guys are getting a little fat and happy, you know, and <laughs> enjoying the time off. Or um, so, so you're always a little bit uh, interested in what's going to happen in those first couple games. And, um, you know, that's kind of why we always see them kind of tend to schedule teams that aren't the greatest over that period of time, because you don't know who you might be missing over World Juniors. Of course, this year, nobody, but really, for the, for the most part, I should say. But um, it's just uh, a tough series to really get a gauge on what's going to happen when you have that long time off. Well, it's frustrating. And I know, like you said, VAC, you know, Matsko didn't really know the answer to the question because you know, he was even talking about He was getting worried about you know, the five-on-five scoring. Um, and he, he's not seen. He, he likes the power play, and you even asked him, you know, where that kind of new power play came from this weekend. Um, but it seems like you know he's he's really more worried about five on five, and he's he's right. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The power play hasn't looked that awesome all year. Yeah, they look a little finicky coming through the neutral zone. They they don't always gain the zone cleanly or have great chances, but they're hovering around twenty percent which in college hockey today, that's a pretty good power play. You know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you were looking to get them more to 25. But 20 is usually pretty good. And despite the hiccups they have in the power play, they've actually produced. And they got another three power play goals this past weekend. You know, they did come out in that 2-3 look, you know, where they have two guys kind of offset at the the D positions, and then they have guys on flanks. And Gates was really comfortable all weekend – on that off wing, he had two one-timer goals. Looked pretty good there. Moscow did say that when a guy scores a goal from a spot in college hockey on the power play, he's going to have to find a new spot the next week. So we'll see what they do with their power play coming up. The one thing they have in their advantage is now Penn State's going to probably have to practice and prepare for two different power play groups. Um, when I was coaching football, you know that was one of the things with practicing in a limited time frame is that the more stuff somebody throws out on tape, the more stuff you have to prepare for. So that's something that Modsko has done now for every opponent down the stretch. <sighs> I don't know. I just <laughs> – I, well, one thing that you and I even talked about this weekend after that loss, you know, unfortunately it's kind of expected, or it's still kind of expected. We just we just kind of see these, these, uh, these games that are just stinkers. But uh, Viggs, yeah, you know, and I want know this is really going to hurt them at the end of the season if they do get in position when they're on the kind of that cusp of making the tournament. This is a bad loss in the pairwise. Well, it's not just one bad loss; it's two now with the St. Lawrence Lawrence True. game. True, you know that's going to drop them into the twenties in the pairwise for a long time unless they come up with some big wins over Penn State, who's top ten in the pairwise right now, and goes on a run in the Big Ten. And if they go on a run in the Big Ten, they'd probably get in anyway. But if they're on that bubble, I think they're in a really hard spot of getting an at-large bid. 
Not, and it's not good, especially after what I thought was a really positive weekend, Hammy, when they went to Michigan and got four out of six points. I mean, that I thought that was a pretty good uh, series, even though, you know, <laughs> they can't seem to, to win that extra point in these tie games, Hammy. But uh, Michigan was a pretty overall really good weekend for the team. Well, I mean, I, yes and no. They gave a ton of shots that yeah. weekend, you know, and they did, of course, from a scoreboard perspective you're like yeah that's not a bad weekend when you you know went get a win and a tie but uh i don't know that i would call that a great performance uh you know it's certainly when you split on the road at a minimum you feel relatively good about it but um you know i think you just have to look at this team and be honest about what it really has for ability out there and i think when i see some fans get upset about these games I, I kind of have to say, well, you know, this isn't the Gophers of 2003 where you could just kind of show up and pretty much expect the team to walk over whoever the hell they're playing. Um, this is a team that, you know, has to really be hitting on all cylinders just to be a real well, you know, com- uh, competitive team. And they're not going to be great in nights where they're not hitting on all cylinders. And um, it doesn't matter if they're playing a team that's not the greatest. They're going to have issues if they're not playing well um in all facets and this is that's the kind of talent level we have this year especially on defense Viggs, um one thing i'm just kind of wondering that i know Moscow really wanted to ingrain in this team is 30 seconds of hell and really so far we're not seeing that on shifts we don't see that kind of extra effort, you know, chasing after pucks and, you know, a little more blocking shots. It's, you know, that that uh, that style of hockey that Moscow wants to play. And and I have a feeling some of that might be left over from Lucia. Maybe the senior leadership is just not really into listening to that um, type of uh, talk. But uh, we're just not quite seeing that yet. And it, we, it may take a couple of years until we do see that kind of effort. Yeah, I haven't seen that attitude out of this team too much. I think the one player who can bring it right now is Sammy Walker. And I think that's one of the reasons why he got invited to the National Junior Camp is because he has that ability to put pressure on the opponent either when he has the puck or when he doesn't. And I don't see too many other players on the Gophers roster who do that consistently. There are guys who have that ability but they just they just don't bring it to the ice. I know Tyler Sheehy talked a little bit about it after the game on Saturday. Is this team just doesn't always get on the forecheck like they're supposed to, and and whether that's confusion about who should be going or 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 what system they're running, it's been an issue the first half of the season. I know sometimes we'll see Romanco and uh, Ramsey get out there, and both of them will think they're the F one and they get caught with two forwards deep. But you see it on all these other lines, just a hesitant play out there. And that allows the opponents to have plenty of time to regroup and come through the neutral zone with speed. And it's it's killing the Gophers 5-on-5 five because five they just don't create very many turnovers and, and rushes off, off their forecheck. So maybe it's just kind of uh, a culture change. It might take a few years when Matsko gets uh, the more type of players that he wants that will play that style of game. Yeah, I mean, it's just a mentality out of a four-checker to, to be there aggressive uh, with some nasty in their game. But, but the thing is, you know, if you look at this hammy, you know, a lot of these guys want to go on to the pros. And, um, you know, you kind of need that tenacity to be able to play in the NHL. So, 
it kind of makes me wonder, Hammy, why aren't these guys even doing it now? You need that skill. You need that tenacity to play in the NHL. If you're just, you know, floating it or just using your skill, that's not going to help you in the NHL down the road. Well, I mean, I can't get into the mindset of each individual player. I don't disagree with you. I just, for me, I just think some guys, I definitely believe in the whole culture aspect. I think I've been thinking about it recently, just how much, um, you know, stuff has been going on in the program in recent years that would contribute to the way that some of the older players would really approach the game and approach the current situation. I mean, um, they did, you know, had the last coaching staff didn't really see eye to eye on a number of things. And um, I think the guy that had the most credibility was Genzel. And, um, you know, so I think that, you, you take some of that away. You, you take what some of these guys were used to with the last staff. I think that um, I see a lot of people kind of, you know, analyzing things on GPL. I think you can't take Patoni's influence on the, the current roster out of the equation. He definitely played a significant role in that. I don't think it's any big surprise that some of the players that Moscow has cut ties on from a recruiting perspective, Grant had a, you know, a, a definite hand in. So I just think that there's a lot of different things culturally from a leadership perspective. Um, I think certainly there's players that um, maybe are a little bit fish out of the water in terms of what the current staff wants versus what they're capable of doing and what they've historically brought to the table. Um, So I think that that's just something that, you you know, you're going to have to weed out little by little. It's not going to happen in one season. I don't expect this team to be significantly different from a, um, I mean, they'll be better from an attitude perspective next year because we lose players, but um, I, I don't expect it to be an overnight change. And so people who are expecting that quick turnaround, I don't think are being particularly realistic about the situation. We've got Jess and the Mixler Tret sending us all kinds of questions. Let's, let's try to get to some of your stuff here, Jess. Um, um, also, this one to, to you, Viggs. Um, Moscow still having plans to switch Novak to D. We've been kind of hearing rumors of him. Um being put on D. And those are Bob Motzko fueled rumors. He's the one who keeps floating it out there. And maybe it is just on the power play for now. You know, they put him out there at the point on the first power play unit, which is five forwards basically with Novak kind of running it up top. I think when they go to the more traditional umbrella, it's going to be Novak up there as well. So, you know, they're still going to work with all their different kind of power play schemes. And, and he is going to be the trigger man back there. I thought it was interesting that Clayton Phillips, was scratched for the Saturday game. You know, he's a guy who's been given chances to run the power play. And, you know, as Hammy's talking about, you know, how to change the culture, one of the things that's always surprised me is, you know, the biggest stick that coaches have in Division One hockey is playing time. Is it power play time? Is it, you know, top six minutes, top four minutes? You know, those are the sticks that coaches have to, to take on their team. And you just... Didn't see that a whole lot with Don Lucia last year. He just kind of kept trotting out the same lineups. You, know, you didn't see too many different guys get chances. And I, I understand the message that you're not going to put a, a plugger up on your first line to play 20 minutes a game. But at some point, you need to send a message to the guys up front that they have to produce. And I'm wondering if we'll see that at times here with Moscow on this year's team. You know, he doesn't have a lot of ties with these guys. If he's trying to send messages, you know, are guys going to see less ice time or less chances? 
you know, Romanco got scratched for one of the games in Michigan, which is kind of a surprise because you know, he's a plugger. You're not expecting him to score 10, 15 goals, and he's the guy they scratch. It's just interesting to watch and, and see how this season progresses. Romanco's hurt now. He's got a lower body injury. He's going to be out a few weeks, uh, so you won't see him in the lineup for a bit. But it's something to watch going forward. Yeah, it definitely is. So one thing that I thought was kind of refreshing was uh, – Mr. Stucker had quite a bit of playing time this weekend, Viggs, and he played pretty well. Yeah, they need some guys who can move the puck and be decisive. I think the biggest question facing the D right now is can they quicken their decision-making? Can they push the pace a little bit? And we saw that from Stucker. You know, That's one of the things that he was brought in this program to do is move the puck. And he found some magic uh, with Scott Reedy, who looks uh, – Pretty healthy after having the high ankle sprain uh, early in the season, and uh, <laughs> scored in a bunch Friday night. <laughs> yeah, you know they need more of that going forward. You know, one of the biggest things this team needs to score goals is guys who can go around the net, and that should be Scott Reedy's mo. He's a pretty big, well put together guy, and uh, if they want to score some more goals in the paint, he's some somebody they need around there. You know, another thing, you know, we, we talked about Hammy is, you know, we we're talking about, you know, the attitude of these players and you know, the aggressiveness and play like that. But another thing that Frozen Four Champs brings up in the mix, which I use, has where were Walker's teammates when he was mixing it up with three or four fair state players? I mean, we've got an instance where you, you got one of your kind of young stars, you know, getting it in there. And where's the rest of the team to kind of back him up? Well, I mean, it's kind of like we've talked about it. It does come up to, you know, where's the senior leaders, where's some of the the guys that you would expect to kind of step up to that kind of stuff. And um, I don't recall who else, who all was out on the ice at the time off the top of my head. But the reality is, is that these are the kinds of things that you expect leaders to stand up and kind of make the other team know that you're not going to take advantage of the players out there on our squad. And um, it is disappointing um, when you see that kind of happen and you don't see players respond to it because uh, if there's anything that you want to feel when you're in a team environment, you want to feel like everybody's got your backs. And uh, if guys aren't stepping up to, you know, when you are kind of outnumbered like that and you uh, are trying to battle, it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating and disappointing. Viggs, if you recall, you know, Jess is reminding us there too is that it was a, kind of the end of the game thing, you know, when the whistle had blown. Uh, Walker was mixing up with a bunch of guys, and there was just no one else there. Well, all the other guys are at the top of the circle skating to the bench, and I was <laughs> surprised that no one else jumped in there. You know, Walker's not a big guy, and he's out there, you know, defending himself as he gets surrounded by four or five red jerseys. I was surprised that no one saw that and jumped in there. I know that Walker kind of started that and brought it on himself, but he's one of the hardest working players on this team, and I was surprised. Let's just say that. And that's maybe it's maybe they, I don't know if they're going to do some team building, or whatever effort. It was just you know I, I I noticed that a couple other people saying that at the end of the game as well on Twitter. So it was it was like you said it was a little disappointing. Um, you know I was asking you guys earlier today. You know what did we else we that kind of happened over the break, and I couldn't remember until just a few minutes ago. But uh, one thing that is coming back next year, Hammy, is the Mariucci Classic, and it's going to be an all Minnesota thing. Um, I love the new logo. I love that they're bringing it back. I love that it's all Minnesota teams. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Mariucci Classic coming back after a two-year hiatus? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's 
definitely interesting. I uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Viggs, but this is just kind of a, it's not like going to be this way every year, correct? It's just something that they happen to be able to work out for this particular season? Correct. They they couldn't get all the teams to commit to coming every year. Um, so this is what it is for this year, and they'll try to have Minnesota teams in it every year, but they just can't guarantee it. Right. So, I mean, I, I think it's interesting and all that. I mean, I, I never got kind of worked up over the whole North Star Cups thing and all that <laughs> other kind of – you know what I mean? I just um, – I kind of feel that sometimes – some of these things are a little bit forced. You know, people feel like, oh, well, we had rivalries at one time. Let's continue it on this way and that way and whatever. And um, I mean, I think it's great to play those teams, but I don't know that I really feel like uh, it's that big of a deal to force things, think kind of things into existence. So if it is something that happens organically like this and um, it's not like trying to be an every year thing, I, I don't have a problem with it. Well, one of the problems that we had with the with the with the Mary Classic Vigs was that you know, boy, towards the end there, they weren't quite bringing in the teams that they were in previous years. I mean, we would you know we we've seen Boston College, we've seen you know, New Hampshire, we, we've seen a, quite a few good teams come in in here, and it seems like the last few years they're bringing in kind of the the smaller end. Less big name schools because a lot of these big schools are heading to Arizona or Florida and all these other places. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that kind of happened to the Mariucci Classic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to have local teams involved. Bob Moscow said, you know, he was excited to get St. Cloud in it because they weren't going to have their own tournament and he didn't want to have his guys flying to, you know, Florida or Arizona or to the Northeast every Christmas to play in a tournament. They'd like to stay one close to home so the guys could have the holidays with their family and not have so much travel. Uh, so it's, I think it's a logical choice for these Minnesota schools to get together and play some games. We'll probably not see uh, schools like Minnesota state and St. Cloud in there every single year, but I think you'll probably see one of them in there every year. And you know, I heard people complaining, why did you have Minnesota Duluth in there? And I believe it's just because Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth kind of already have that uh, kind of con- four or five year contract. Um, to, or at least they play each other twice, uh, Four out of the next five years, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, so that's, that's so kind of already that set. Contract established. So, you know, the only teams that they didn't have games in the future established with were St. Cloud, Minnesota State, and Bemidji. So, yeah, well, there you go, people. That's kind of the and North Dakota is locked up on the schedule too. So, yeah, you know, they've got all those close rivals locked up to games for the next couple of years, probably. So there you go, folks. The Mariucci Classic coming back, and it does have a nice, cool new logo. I really like that, Biggs. Yeah, it's sharp. Yeah, it's it's, kind of... uh, it's set. It's not the Herb Brooks. I know some people want it to be changed, but hey, Mary, she's the guy who got Minnesota going. Yeah, he is. So we are glad it's back. So at least there'll be some good teams. Hopefully, some good games as well. Well, we got a little, you know, a couple of questions, more questions for you. We're going to talk about Penn State a little bit. Of the juniors, you know, Team USA just uh, locked up their victory a few minutes ago. But uh, before we get to that, let's hear from our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors, the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. 
They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. All right. Thanks to Vintage, as always. Well, um, one of our favorite tournaments every year is the World Junior Tournaments, except for Hammy. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, every year we have got this great tournament Viggs, and, uh, it's going on right now. A lot of the youngest kids were the, was it under 20, I believe it is. And, uh, lots been going on today for one thing. Uh, I guess the bad part is there's no Minnesota players are in it for the, you know, very seldom happening Viggs. but, uh, geez, a lot going on today. Sweden losing, Canada just losing, U.S. just ended up winning now and we got Russia, uh, playing here in a little bit. So it, it's turning out to be a pretty interesting tournament up there in Canada now that Canada's gone. Yeah, it's always an amazing tournament, I think, because you have such a high level of skill and there's going to be mistakes. You know, these teams are thrown together, you know, this last month. It's kind of surprising, actually, to see Canada out of the tournament because they've been practicing the whole month of December, kind of almost with their final roster. They, they took an extended camp, which they haven't always done, and to see them lose early is surprising. But these teams are kind of thrown together, and it's the, the top players in their age group, except for the guys playing the NHL, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, people are upset a little bit that the Gophers don't have any players in there. But, you know, the Minnesota players that aren't Gophers, you know, they were tied to other schools pretty quick and pretty young, and it's hard to know if Minnesota ever really got a chance at them either. By uh, paling the other night against Sweden. Uh Holy cow, you know, they did lose in overtime. We were all watching that at, uh, at Maxwell's bar after the Gopher game. And, you know, I, I'm throwing out the fire <laughs> fire Hastings tweet when it's 4 nothing, And then before you know it, it's 4-4. Four to four. It was quite the entertaining game, uh, Viggs. But uh, they, they can, couldn't quite finish it off. But uh, Sweden is gone, too. They, they were ousted by Switzerland, I believe, just a little while ago, weren't they? Yep, hard to believe. Uh, Ryan Paley would look great uh, as a grad transfer if he ever wanted to, <laughs> you know, get one more year in at Minnesota. But I think Montreal will have another say in that. Now, Hammy, I know you're saying you're not as big into the tournament. You're one of a few people. That's just fine. But uh, one of the reasons you were mentioning earlier is that, uh, you know, it seems like those when the Gophers do go, they come back and they're just not quite the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's been kind of a mixed bag over the, you know, in the last, what, 30-plus years that I've really followed the team. I mean, it hasn't always been bad news for a guy that returning. Sometimes they come back with inspired, but uh, there's just been so many times where I'll see a guy come back and he's, like, gassed because they play so many games in such a short period of time. And, of course, you, you know, you don't want to deprive them of the experience, but, um, you know, it, from a selfish gopher perspective, sometimes you're like, man, I hate seeing those guys come back. And it's like, they're not playing for a little bit and they're completely gassed. You can see that they just are, you know, they just put a lot into that tournament and there's so much high end hockey being played that, uh, it, it gets a little frustrating when they come back and they're not playing quite to the level that you're accustomed to. But like I said, you don't want to deprive them of an opportunity like that. 
and Viggs, you know, he, he's kind of got a point there because you look at a good example that was two years ago with Lindgren. Yeah, I think Lindgren was tough because he got sick that year. You know, that's that's something that's tough on players, and you know, it's a lot of games, a lot of time. But for the most part, I don't think it's a big issue for college hockey. You know, these guys are playing two games a week. You know, going through the tournament is is difficult, but you know. If, College players coming back, I know the U, they don't start school again here until like the 23rd or 24th of July. You know, there's plenty <laughs> of time for them to recover. Yeah. You know, I think a lot's made of, out of, you know, is this guy playing too much? Is the goalie playing every night too much? You know, these guys are used to playing 60, 70, 80 games coming through junior, and then they get to college and they play, you know, 34 games. Uh, so I, I think that can be a little bit overblown. For some guys, I think it could be their confidence gets hurt a little bit. Like uh, Liam Bristet, he goes to Sweden, doesn't even play. You know, Samparanta maybe expected to play for Finland. You know, he gets cut and gets sent home and has got to you know find some confidence. You know, Sammy Walker, you know, not sure why he he didn't make the team. He thought he had a great camp and a great first half, and you know, disappointed. So it's all about how those guys find the fuel to recover from it. And and I think Cammy's kind of right on some of that though. You know, some of these guys, sometimes these players do come back, and it seems like it's happening, you know, more often. But you know, also remember, back in the '90s and even early 2000s, you know, we'd have players leave, but they would be coming back fairly quickly because they would be eliminated. They would not even make it to the to the medal round. I mean, we there was a time where you know U.S. juniors, U.S. team had no influence on that tournament, Amy. Well, right, yeah, and I, like I said, I mean, I, I maybe I'm a little bit biased because I just remember <laughs> even way back into the Woog era, you know what I mean, like well into the Woog era that, um, you know, there was always a mixed bag of guys playing well when they came back, other guys that just seemed like they were completely out of it for, yeah. for weeks, and so it, I probably just remember a lot of that stuff um, going on over time, and so sometimes I just, just like, we get frustrated about that tournament, plus you know, we'd lose players and not have them for, you know, a small number of games, but nonetheless, it, you just worry about the impact of all that kind of stuff. Obviously that wasn't a huge deal for us this year, but, um, you know, just historically, that's always been something that, uh, I've always thought about. So, well, it's a great tournament. It's going to be a, who knows who's going to win it now, but you've got to look, uh, it's kind of looking more like the U S and Russia are probably kind of the teams that beat unless, you know, some of these other upsets keep happening. I guess the Finns, yeah, the Finns have a really good chance as well. Moving on. We got just a couple questions, uh, via Twitter today and let's, uh, let's start with you. Uh, we'll listen to Tim Hapke was asking, what is Ben Gordon's role as an assistant? Does he work with a team on the ice very often or is he more on the road recruiting? I think a lot of his role right now is working with the forwards and, and going through the video for the team. You know, he's doing some recruiting on the road, but I think Bob is pretty hands-on with the recruiting right now and, and Raboyne, you know, those two have a good relationship together and how they operate. Um, so you're seeing Gordon on the road some, but, you know, his focus is with the forwards right now. Now, what about our uh, student assistants? Are you seeing them out on the ice when you go to practice? Yep, they're on the ice for most practices, uh, especially now that classes are out of session. And Bob kind of has each guy paired with an assistant coach, and it's almost kind of like a mentorship uh, with Ryan working with Ben and uh, Stu working with Garrett. And they're just kind of learning from them about how to coach, you know, what the process is like. Um, as they finish up their schoolwork, 
you know, Bob, you know, sometimes we'll bring one of them on the road if they can, just to kind of get the experience of helping out on a game day and kind of shadowing the coaches. Cause both of these guys, you know, who knows what they're going to do going forward, but this is a great opportunity for them to learn what it takes to be a division one coach. You know, they're doing a lot of things that players don't see every day. All right. Uh, Nick wants to know, and I'll throw this one at you, Hammy. Does the coaching staff feel an incoming player in the next year or two is a blue chip, big star type player at either forward or defense? We got any big blue chippers coming in in the foreseeable future? Well, I mean, it's hard to really determine what how the coaching staff sees it if you don't, you know, without asking them. But I mean, I think certainly you see a guy like I mean, and you also have to determine well, what is this particular person say is a blue chipper or not? I mean, mm-hmm. is that is that a guy that's uh, you know going to be a top draft pick? You know, that kind of a player, or is it a guy that you know? I mean, Ben Myers is a perfect example. I mean, he's a guy that. Uh, you know, has is doing really well. He's had plenty of juniors experience. He's um, shown a lot of success this year, and I think he's going to be an impact player on the team next year. You know, he's going to have opportunities because of the players we lose, but he's also, even if we had returning players, I think he would be competing for some of those top-end spots. So uh, a guy like him would definitely be an example of somebody, at least in the short term, I think would be somebody to look forward to. Uh, certainly they have some other players, um, it's just a matter of when they plan on coming in in the, in the upcoming years uh, that I believe will be impact players. But uh, that's one that immediately comes to mind in the short term that I think is going to have an impact on the program pretty quickly. Any thoughts, Beeves? It's hard to know if there's any true blue chippers coming in right now. You know, Caster is a guy who's got a lot of ability on the blue line. He's probably one of the more highly thought of players. Uh, Ryan Johnson, another defenseman, who's probably really highly thought of. But I don't know if any of the forwards are, are really blue-chip type players right now. I think you're looking for guys who are first-round picks out of that group, and I'm not sure if there are a ton of those guys coming through Minnesota. Probably the Lucius kid is is the one who's probably the biggest name you know, for NHL circles right now. He's somebody who's going to get a hard push to go to Major Junior because he is such a talent right now. And it's like I said, I mean, it really depends on how a person determines what blue chip means. Does that mean what you expect to see them do in college? Because there's a big difference between, you know, you could have guys that are going to be great college players that aren't going to have much of a sniff at, you know, the NHL. Um, And to me, that's more of a blue chip player to me. I understand Mm -hmm. that for other people, it might be draft status. They're a first round guy. They might leave after a year or two. You know, certainly you would include those kinds of guys in on that conversation, but I don't dis, you know, I don't uh, completely eliminate guys that aren't necessarily going to be, um, you know, pro players, but they certainly could be like a Justin Clues type of a player, you know, who's going to be a three or four year guy and is going to contribute a lot offensively, um, but they might not necessarily have the the big name uh, draft status that uh, some people focus on. And finally, we've got our uh, North Dakota Fighting Hawks guru, Goon, wants to know, and I'm going to throw this at you, Vs, because you hear all about attendance. He's like, what's with the dwindling attendance at Gopher men's hockey games? <laughs> I think Goon is just trolling you, but still. Well, there's a lot of uh, issues facing the team right now. A lot of people like to focus on uh, ticket prices. I don't think that's necessarily it because they're still selling almost 9,000 tickets a night. Uh, the issue is getting the people to show up. 
But um, there's a lot of issues facing the program, and you know, winning is going to solve some of that. But it's a complicated issue. Look for something in the athletic this month on it. Oh, interesting. You know, you know, we did see it tweeted out earlier this you know past weekend Friday that they were selling uh, souvenir cups from the 2013 football team at the 2018 hockey game. And uh, I talked to somebody off with the program. They they just were kind of scratching their heads. Like it's like they just want to keep shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, some of the stuff is baffling. <laughs> uh, part of it comes from you know, the university's not exactly the most uh, buttoned up ship. You know, it's hard to get everybody on the same page to be successful with something. Like you saw the Udina community night that they had this weekend. They've been doing that every weekend. They just haven't gotten their act together with getting the message out and doing group sales and things like that. You know, I think they'll start to see some improvements there. You know, they're having to move a lot of single game tickets this season because of the season ticket base shrinking as much as it has. Um, it's a it's a bleak future right now <laughs> for attendance, and until they start winning, it's going to be hard to attract new fans. But they are trying something with ten dollar tickets to groups. You know, the we saw that Saturday with the Ferris State game. I think they had a little bit better attendance. They did. They did a lot of group sales at that ten dollar ticket market. We're seeing that again this weekend with Penn State. It's another opportunity for ten dollar tickets. I know any student that has a package for either Friday or Saturday. Well, that's now good for both nights. So the 3,400 students that have those packages could show up at any given night right now, and they're they're not either, and they're paying about ten ten dollars a game. Yeah, it's, it's goofy. Well, let's get to actual hockey. You know, we've got Penn State coming in here this weekend, Hammy, and uh, we all know at the end of last year, Minnesota lost four straight, and obviously had a bunch of other things happen that knocked them out of the tournament, but essentially. Losing four straight to Penn State uh, was the end of their season, probably the earliest end of the season we've ever had here at Minnesota just because of the way the schedule was. But Penn State's coming to town this weekend, and they're doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of goes back to what we said many years ago. I mean, it, I, I honestly expected Penn State to be a good program because they had the investment. They had, you know, I think a fan base that was hungry for something like this. And certainly uh, – you know, when you have a Big Ten program, it's going to take a little time, of course, when you're starting a new program. So you, you didn't expect it to happen overnight, but um, it, it's, you know, it's good for the league. I think it's good for college hockey to see a, a new team that's, uh, you know, certainly competing at a high level and, and being amongst the names that are going to be in that hunt towards the end of the year. Um, whether it's going to be a yearly thing or, you know, a pretty regular thing, that remains to be seen. But it, it, I think it's definitely a positive to see them doing well and they're always throwing tons of pucks at the net and um you know they they have some good offensive players so i would expect it to be a pretty entertaining series from that perspective and the gophers are definitely have to bring their a game and uh, be hitting on all cylinders something that we haven't regularly seen this year and kind of going back to your point Viggs, about you know those ten dollar tickets and the cheaper tickets you know i don't know if the u has figured it out yet you know the leaders above them but uh they're doing really cheap tickets for a really good opponent coming in this weekend. I don't know if they realize that. <laughs> well, I think they're doing it because the school's on break, and so they want to try to attract people to campus. And this is a game that's going to be fun to watch. You know, Penn State plays oh, yeah. aggressive, hard forecheck, brings lots of offense, and it should be a fun game. 
you know, Penn State's done a good job with their scheduling. You know, they kind of schedule like a Big Ten football team. You know, they played Clarkson, Niagara, Princeton, Arizona State, Robert Morris. You know, they're not playing against the cream of the crop in college hockey. And they've built up a really nice record that's ninth in the pairwise. And they're they're going to be a tough team for Minnesota to play against because I think, you know, they play a template last year in those four games that was pretty much the way to beat Minnesota. You know, be aggressive, be hard on the defense, force the game. And it was something they couldn't answer last year. We'll see if this year's team finds any juice to respond. And and we all know that the stats of shots on goal at Penn State are a little out of line. We know that. But uh, uh, the, they still do throw a ton of shots on net just to, just, just to see what's going on. You know, you throw a shot on net, you might get a rebound goal. Um, maybe it'll go wide. So what? But they, so we we know their stats are a little a little high, but they still do throw throw a lot of shots on net. Yeah, they still score a lot of goals, and they still yeah, too. They they do produce, and they play uh, physical style. You know, their power play is clicking really well. They're they're top ten power play. Um, they're top ten in goals per game. You know, they're they're going to be a tough opponent this weekend. And I think the one thing with Minnesota this year is they have had a good penalty kill up until last weekend. Yeah. That's something that they can rely on as a strength, and they have had good goaltending. You know, Matt Robson had a little bit of a hiccup, I think, on Friday night because of how well Shearhorn played. He got the next night. I expect we'll probably see Robson get the cage again, and, and we'll see how he responds to his first weekend really getting pulled. And another thing, kind of getting back to the juniors, Ham, you, know, you talk about missing players and whatnot. Well, Penn State's going to be missing a player off of Finland, since Finland continued on tonight. They've also got a, a guy, a young kid uh, on Team USA. So uh, yeah, this is probably a good time for Minnesota to not have any juniors gone because Penn State's going to have a couple of their couple young stars gone this weekend. Yeah, for once we benefit, right? It's yeah, somebody else. that doesn't happen very often. All right, exactly. Yeah, Evan Barrett was a thorn in Minnesota side last year. You know, he laid uh, a pretty big hit on Ryan Lindgren and then went and scored and showboated a little bit. So not having him out there on the ice will be a positive for Minnesota at least. And then the <laughs> Finn uh, Tavati, you know, he's one of their top freshmen, and they'll be missing him too. Thank you, Finland. Not only for beating Canada, but uh, just for that reason as well. So so, what else? I mean, uh, we got uh, a couple more questions here. Actually, um, Eastsider wants to know: you, Have you noticed any increased alumni presence this year compared to last year? I guess I'll put that towards you, Veeks, because uh, you're down there a lot. Well, I think some of the alums are making more of an effort to organize, getting guys together on campus. I don't know if they just feel a warmer presence in the building or whatnot. I know uh, Jordan Leopold and uh, Tommy Pohl spoke to the team today. Just kind of give them a message that they're behind them and, and give them some lessons to, to fight adversity. And uh, I know some of the other alums are getting together and organizing some fundraising. Uh, no numbers yet to share, but they're making progress, and I think we're going to see some new projects start for next year. And that's kind of one of the tricky things we had, Hammy, was with uh, fundraising and Don Lucia. Yeah, uh, if you want to drudge up that past stuff, sure. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Well, we just know that uh, uh, he he had a hard time getting players other than Paul Martin to kind of get involved in those type of projects. Well, I mean, I think it's always important for a new coach to kind of get alumni um, 
kind of engaged in what's going on and, and kind of trying to reignite some of the passion and trying to kind of connect some of that history yes. uh, of the program with the current players and help them understand why, you know, them playing hard and playing for with pride for the program and for the, the university is important. So I think that certainly these are things that you want a new coach to try to instill. And this kind of goes back to our conversation about culture um, and maybe, it, it, you know, with some guys, it's a little too little too late because they're pretty close to being on their way out. But for some of the guys that still have two or three years left of eligibility after this year, you kind of want to, you know, get them engaged in that. And uh, maybe that's just the way that this current coaching staff uh, feels is a good way to build. All right, guys, predictions for the weekend with Penn State coming to town. We'll start with you, Hammy. Well, I mean, given the fact that uh, they weren't exactly the most consistent, well-oiled machine last weekend against a team that was uh, <laughs> worse than Penn State, it's kind of hard to go with the uh, the sweep scenario even at home. So uh, I think it it's more than likely going to be a split. Um, I would expect uh, Penn State to have a, a pretty good offensive night, at least one of those nights. So I, I, that's kind of the route that I would go would be a split. And Viggs, uh, what, what are you thinking here? I, I've just noticed that it seems like there are times where Minnesota does kind of play to their competition. So, you know, you could see that dud like we saw last weekend, but we could see a pretty good series this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it a couple times this year. You know, the Minnesota State Series, they had the one dud game. They actually played pretty well the next night, even though they got swept in the, the weekend. I just feel like this weekend it's going to be one of those situations where they're going to need to be sharp on their penalty kill. I think if they can get away on the weekend without giving up a power play goal, maybe they'll be able to get a split. Now I'm leaning towards hoping for a point here with a tie and probably <laughs> a loss. I think that's where I'd, I'd put my money. Uh, I got to see it out of this team before I can start predicting splits and sweeps even. I'm kind of with you there, but uh, obviously a, a sweep would be really good for Minnesota. That could get them back, but uh, like you said, Viggs, it's kind of a wait and see type of thing. So, well, and this is just a kryptonite matchup for the Gophers. <laughs> this is a team that's not going to let any of the defensemen hide. It's going to be a game where they're going to need to be sharp. They're going to need to be quick on their retrievals. They're going to need the forwards to come back deep to the zone. And that's just not something you see consistently out of this team. You see it out of Sammy Walker, um, but you just don't see it out of all the other lines. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens this weekend. I don't see any big shakeups happening to the lines, the power play units, uh, the defensemen. So it's just going to be interesting to see how they respond, and I don't, I don't know if they can do it for two nights. And remember, folks, Friday night's game is an 8 o'clock start, and I think that's mostly because of television. It looks like it's going to be on ESPNU uh, uh, Friday night. So I, th- I'm thinking, I actually think Boochagross is actually coming to town too. So it'll it'll be at least Bucci calling the game this weekend. I know people are kind of love-hate against him, but uh, at least uh, ESPN is sending their hockey guy. So, Well, he's got to get ready to call Penn State in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> When they host regional. The Midwest, when they host region. The Midwest yeah. Regional. <laughs> Out in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know. Oh, boy. All right, guys. Well, it was, I, it was nice to have a break, but it's also nice to be back on, on the podcast. And uh, you know, Remember, you could follow Hammy at Hammy Hockey. You could follow Vigo at EVigo, both on Twitter. Viggs, what are you working on right now with The Athletic? 
I'm working on a state of the program article right now, talking to some athletic department officials about what they're seeing and their ticket base and what things they're doing to improve the program and improve attendance and things like that. And just kind of look at at where this program is right now historically. Well, there you go. Maybe this week, next week? Uh, Probably middle of the month. Oh, okay. I got a lot lot of interviews and transcriptions to do on this one. So, you know, I'm touching base with some of the alumni who are, you know, trying to make their mark on the program. You know, one of the messages Moscow is making right now is, you know, the donations and things that they're doing for the program aren't necessarily for him. You know, he's just going to be a coach at this program for a short time in the big picture. You know, this comes down to, you know, what do the alums want Minnesota hockey to be? Yeah. And do they want it to be in kind of this muck and mire right now, or does he want them, you know, do they want the program to be successful? And, you know, actions speak louder than words sometimes, too. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that these alumni are going to get it together and, uh, Get some of these projects kicking because, you know, obviously a lot of those kind of projects fell away recently for one reason or another. So hopefully we'll get them reimagined and funded fairly soon. Yeah, and there are more people involved than just Lou Nanny this time. So that's probably a good <laughs> thing for Gopher Hockey. Uh, I would agree. It, it is a good thing. And when you hear that uh, Paul and Leopold are down there this week talking to the guys, um, I think that's a, that's a pretty good sign. So we shall see. All right, guys. Good show. Remember, folks, um, we'll be back. Well, I think we have shows almost straight through now. There's no, there's no more weeks off. We're, we got week uh, shows straight through to almost like the Frozen Four, almost. So we're gonna be back here almost every week until until uh, the team is done. So, and uh, that's kind of how it is. You know, we're gonna be back next week. Gonna recap uh, maybe some junior stuff. We'll have to see. Hopefully, Team USA comes through. And we'll definitely recap this uh, series with Penn State and preview the road series at Notre Dame. Until then, thanks for listening. 